can't get a game for me. Shit, I got some change on me. Look into my eyes, moving and ride. I might just pay the fee. She's cash free. She got a wig, making the block free. Cash free. Can't get a game for me. Shit, I got some change on me. Look into my eyes, moving and ride. I might just pay the fee. She's cash free. And we're back. Welcome back to One Point Motherfucking Zero, and it's your host, Dr. Shep, coming back across the track once again, my friend. I've walked on water, I've walked on land. I got kings and queens that want to shake my hand. Who am I? The doctor. Man, look out tonight, man. I want to welcome all y'all to tonight's event. It's your boy, Dr. Shep, and this is... The one man stand here on one motherfucking point zero. So check it out. We here at uh the Honeybee Lounge. You know, we got a coming coming at night, starting tonight, here at the Honeybee Lounge, you dig. And that if you wonder where that name comes from, that's somebody that's very important to me that that pretty much pushed me to uh come like I'm gonna come tonight. Put it like that. So I had to pay homage. And named the comedy club, the Honey Bee Lounge. So welcome to the Honey Bee Lounge tonight, man. Well, we're about to go live. And what we're going to do tonight is something a little different than what we do on the show. You know, normally I come on and I do some preaching and warning you about doomsday. Now I'm going to go live with some comedy. Because something happened, you know, about a week ago. You know, one of my comedy constituents, you did. And, and I like to call him a real one. Cat Williams, man, came out and, you know, kind of did something that needed to be done. Now, I'm saying that because I've been that kind of comedian for over 30 years. I come into the game kicking ass and taking names. You dig what I'm saying? And not in a way of being respectful, but I did the, I did the don'ts. You dig? If they say don't do it, I did it. Because if they don't want you to do it, then it must be some sort of truth and power in it. So that's the route I go. So tonight, he inspired me to show y'all just what it is to be a comedian. Because everybody just can't do this thing. So tonight, we're going to go live with a comedy conversation. It's not stand-up per se, but it's a conversation like we all have all the time. We say funny shit. We say fucked up shit. And a lot of that is going to happen tonight. <laughs> so welcome to the show, man. And we're just going to get ready. You know what I'm saying? Like I normally do with a comedy show. I prepare myself with some, uh, you know, music and all this here. And, you know, we sit back, smoke a little bit, and I get ready. You know what I'm saying? And then I get introduced, and I come on and I do my thing. But tonight, you know what I'm saying? We ain't got to do all that. Because that's what comedians do. Because uh, uh, what a comedian is, is just an average person who experienced some of the worst shit or seen some of the worst shit or been through the worst shit. And we take that pain, transfer it into laughter, and we serve it to you all for your benefit. Because everybody knows that laughter is the best medicine. Now, before we start this comedy show, I wanted to give you a biography of I. <laughs> Remember that word, I. 
want to give y'all a biography of Dr. Chef. Now, when I started this podcast, I started it as a comedy podcast. But there was a need there for me to do something other and speak on other things. You know, it, there's a lot of tomfoolery out there already. And I wasn't trying to contribute to that at this time because we are in serious time. That's what makes my job as a doctor, a, comic, a comedic doctor, you did. I deal in the funny bone. You know, you can call me a funny boneologist. Can you dig it? So uh, I felt like it's a need for that now. And what Cat Williams did, he inspired me to come forth with my own, uh, yeah, no, uh, horror stories of this game. Because believe it or not, we are comedians, but it's some of the, man, some of the most sucker shit that happens to you as a comic that you, you wouldn't believe. And it's really, it's always been gangster. Now, I'm just going to let you know that. It's always been gangster. Cats have always been at odds. And it's because you're in a, you a one-man sport. Can you dig it? You are in a one-man sport. Yeah, you'll meet friends, you'll meet people that in the business or whatever, but if they are a comedian, make no mistake, they are in direct competition with you. So that's why we get so upset if we come up with material, if we come up with a show and some sucker comes steals it from you and go do it in the next town and claim it for themselves. See that that that's see back I, I I'm from the seventies. Can you dig it? You know, that's called biting, nigga. You know, you biting my shit, cuz. And, 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 you know, that was grounds for ass whooping or, you know, or, 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 or something, you know, you're going to have to, you want to, yeah, you bought that. So that's why the confrontation happens when you have these uh, placements in the game. Here in my hometown of Houston, Texas, we have placements in the game. You know, these guys that are supposed to be the city's favorite, you know, they self-appointed. And I'm going to be frank, they self-appointed because I'm here. Yes, sir, I said it. Dr. Shep is here. So if it ain't me that's the city's favorite, then there's a discrepancy there. And at any time, I'm willing to prove who I is. But this has already been proven. And that's why I'm saying Cat Williams inspired me because he was really telling my story as a comedian. Not saying that, you know, that his is not true or whatever. It's absolutely true for him. As well as for me. And it's been a minute for, before I spoke. But I'm speaking tonight here on one point. Motherfucking zero. On my own platform. Can you dig that? So tonight... We're going to add this out. Comedy conversation. So, as a comedian, you dig, I've uh, experienced all kind of shit. You know what I mean? Once I found out what my power was, you dig, that, sep that separated me from my uh, peers. I had something special. Not knowing that I had something special, it was just me. It was my thing to make people laugh, you did. So I began, after I got out of high school, I began to make people laugh. 
because uh, at a young age, I had an accident at my school, Colston Elementary. And if I got any Lufkin nights out there, y'all know about Colston Elementary, you did? So in the sixth grade, that was when we were introduced to a movie called Roots. I don't know if you young heads know anything about that. We're going to get to that, too, on this comedy conversation. But they came out with Roots when I was in the sixth grade. You dig? And at this time, I was a project child. I lived in the projects. And Roots was uh, what they call must watch. And our parents figured that all the children had to watch every episode. So at a certain time, I believe it was around six o'clock in the evening, they show Roots. This is the first time as a child that we seen what they call slaves. Because as a child up to that point in sixth grade, I didn't know that I was a nigger. No, I did not know I was Negroid. I just thought I was uh, uh, Billy Ross Shepherds and, and, and King B's son. That's all I knew I was. I was a child. But when we saw Roots, it actually shocked our brains. Never seen that type of horror from any kind of people, except the people in the projects. Now, I, you know, I know uh, Mr. Jim Lee, he killed a few niggas, you know, so... <laughs> You know, that type of violence wasn't off, you know, the, you know, off the rail for us. We seen it before, but we didn't know why folks treated us like that. So we watched every episode and every episode, uh, the whole, you could feel the whole community of the projects, the shock and the anger. You could actually feel it when you walked outside after the first episode was over with. And that anger made you want to watch the second episode when Mouser uh, raped Kizzy. You dig? When they cut Kunta Kente's foot off and made that Negro repeat a, a new name. That's what that, that's what that, that whip did. Yeah, he hit that nigga in the back with that cowhide. He, he didn't even know English. The nigga said, Kunta Kente pretty clear. Y'all heard him, didn't you? So this is what they made us watch as children. So as children, at that moment, we learned hate. In the sixth grade, I was without hate until I seen Roots. I learned that I was a slave before I was just a kid that liked, uh, you know, Popeye, Bug Bunny, Elmer Fudd, Daffy Duck, Wiley Coyote. These were my interests before I learned that I was a nigger, a slave. 
abused, hung, tortured, tarred, and feathered. So as a child, when I learned that, as my uh, childhood constituents, we were pissed off. And us in the projects, we always planned all sorts of things with each other. We was a big gang. Bunch of black people, families, and we all lived right up under each other. So we, we it was a certain joining there that we have right today. You understand me? Uh, 222 person Simon. You know what I'm talking about? Pinewood Park, y'all stand up. So when we learned that we were that instead of children, when we learned that white people done those horrific things to us, that was my first experience with personal anger. I learned right then how to be pissed off for real as a child. I was no longer concerned with Bug Bunny. When I seen Dappy Duck, I'm like, they doing that nigga the same way. He black too. When I seen Heckle Jekyll, I looked at them Negroes different. When I heard that ancient mama that used to be on Tom and Jerry, that shit pissed me off. I learned anger even for cartoons. You did? So, when my parents sent us back to school with these white people that I just learned, great kids did. Same white people in my mind as a child. Great kids did. Cut Kunta Kente's foot off. Made him recite a name that was not his. Who that sound like? That pissed me off. So I took that anger back to their educational system that I was sent back to after being made to watch and learn what I really was in this world. Now dig what I'm saying to you. Because I know I got classmates out there that witnessed this, you dig. So me as who I am today came from this because I took that anger back to the education system, which was school. And me and my partners, we came up with some sort of revenge tactic. Now, I don't know if y'all remember Red Rover, Red Rover, let whoever name come over. So that's where uh, kids would line up. One on one side facing each other and one on the other side facing them. We line up and lock hands. And we would call one of the other side's name and they would try to come run and bust through your line. You did. So if they busted through, that means you lost a person. So me being naturally militant minded, even as a child, after that happened to me, I was turned on. I said, well, let's get it. What we going to do when them white boys or them white girls try to run through this line, 
Instead of y'all trying to stop them at the waist, see, I was a wrestling fan. I want y'all to clothesline they ass. Yes, I did. Clothesline they ass. And don't you dare allow yourself to be broken. Remember Kissy. Remember Kunta Kente. <laughs> you understand me? And that's what we did. And we did it so much that a playground fight broke out. The white boys and the white girls was tired of that shit. And a playground fight broke out. So we got the fight. Never forget it. Etched in my mind. See, I'm actually a veteran. The, I fought the Battle of Roots. Because we got the fighting. And we were whooping we were whooping ass, you hear me? We were whooping ass at Coston Elementary. But in the heat of the battle, one of my uh, white fellow students, uh, his name was Bubba Dable. I'll never forget his name. He made me what I am today, partner. He picked up a stick. That stick was in the shape of a Y. It had two ends on it here, and it had a long end at the bottom. It was about that long. I seen it when it happened. I just had got finished with one of the fellers, and I was on my way to him. And when he seen me coming, he threw that stick. Hit me dead center in the eye. Now, it did stop me <laughs> for the moment. <laughs> I had a damn stick sticking out of my right eye. So I had to tend to that. Now this is where the transformation happens to me. When the stick got stuck in my eye, I had to go to the principal's office. Take in mind, this is an adult person. And in my mind as a child at that time, the same adult person, and he looked like the the, one, the, the man that did that to kids. I had to go and be at his mercy as a child. And I just learned what I was and who they were. So imagine the anger and the fear, because this is not uh, another child. I just come out of battle with them. But this is an adult that's supposed to be a referee of the neutral. My color and my situation, my economic situation shouldn't have mattered in the position he was as the principal of Coston Elementary. His name was Mr. Stewart. I'm pretty sure that he's somewhere very tropical. Very, very tropical right now. Mm -hmm. I went to his office and taking mine, a stick actually stuck through my eye and it was sticking out. I had to pull it out. Dig that. As a child, this is the pain that I felt. We're going to get to that later. But 
when I walked in his office, he could apparently see that there was severe damage to my optical right side. As an adult, he looked at me and looked at my teacher and told her, take him back to class. Miss Casper, looked like he'll be all right until the bus, you know, so it's time to catch the bus. Take him back to class. Take him mine. The skin of my eye, inside of my eye, is flapped over in, in, in here. Obvious fluid draining out of my eye because the stick went back far enough to, to break my lens in the back of my eye. And I was sent back to class for another three periods. During that time, cataracts set up. By the time I got home to my parents, damage was done for life. Went through three surgeries because of this choice that this man made because otherwise there was a chance something that i was a gifted it was not a curse it was a gift i'm gonna get to that but that happened okay was sent home went through surgeries bam 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 nothing could be done damage is irreversible so, as a child, I had to live with that. My, remember, I'm a, I'm a project child. We could only go so far medically for our surgeries and different kind of whatevers, you know. So, I lived with it. Over time, because I didn't have sight in my eye, it started to do what it wanted to. It would move this way, you know, come back. Go next door, come back, go around my head, come back. Whatever it do, it always come back. <laughs> you did? So with that, I began to be made fun of. Yeah. I get on the bus, you know, old, old, old Desmond. I remember old Desmond, old, old Michael. I can't say their last name because I don't want to put them out there. But y'all know who he is. These were the leading what we call riders. What we call riding is talking about your ass. From the time you get on that bus and come down that aisle, your ass is on the chopping block. So you can imagine when I got my cockeyed ass on the bus, <laughs> walking down that aisle, they were trying to wear me out. I'm like, man, y'all got me fucked up. Nigga, I was not born this way. This happened by default, nigga. And plus, I'm a veteran of the barrel of roots, nigga. Fuck y'all talking about. Why y'all fucking with me? You know what I'm saying? I don't, nigga, veteran don't get no respect. That's what I'm talking about. But, so, I wasn't with that shit. I wasn't with being the nigga that y'all gonna make fun of, nigga. So what I came up with being, you know, genius, and my eye made me see different shit. I see shit y'all don't see. So I came up with a method to get y'all off my ass 
And when I got y'all off my ass, I'm going to get on your ass. See, because what, what, what I took away from them was the ability to talk about me at all. Because I would start talking about myself. Because I'm the one with this eye. I know it. I know it better than anybody. Why not talk about myself? So I go off on myself. When I got through with me, guess who next? You. Where your ass out? I took your power and I took you down all in one fatal swoop. Fucking with this cat guy, nope. And that's how I became a legend there at my school of Lufkin High. Once I figured out I had that power, I didn't use it for bad. Most of the times I made people laugh. I did impressions of the principles that was, you know, I guess real popular. You know what I'm saying? And people would like put me in positions to call the principal up and make me do him while he was watching. Hell, the principal liked it. So I got away with a lot of things. But I was a little ahead of my time and a little ahead of the ed education they was trying to give me. I had already been educated. I'm from the project. I know about, you know, Playboy and everything at this time. <laughs> I know where to go get the $2 joints. Miss Johnny B, you understand me? I know where to go get the, you know, bootleg, you know, my, my, my daddy, you know. Well, anyway. Anyhow. Comedy conversation. Believe, uh, remember that. <laughs> yeah, man. So I learned how to wear people out and lift myself at the same time. So I, I became an advocate for people who were like me. You understand me? I began to be, a, you know, what the hell? Fuck it, handyman, nigga. Handicap hero. Y'all remember handyman, do you? Wayne and brother. You know, yeah, handyman, nigga. That was me. And it's still me today. But this is how I came to be. And it wasn't because I went to college. wasn't because I was, you know, I went to church. You know what I'm saying? But it wasn't because of that. It's because something bad happened to me that molded the, the way I was. And I was learned this behavior. You did? So, as a comedian, when these things happen to your life, they are etched in your life. And the bad things that happen to you Guess what? They happen to us all. So if I tell you a story like I just told you, you felt it. It was real to you, wasn't it? It was a kind of sad story, but I made you laugh, didn't I? Now, that's what a comedian does. We take our pain and we take your pain in consideration. But me, I don't get to enjoy what I come up with. You get to enjoy it. But that story I just told you, what if next week you seen another motherfucker telling that story and saying it that it was there? And me as a comedian, I don't get my payment in paper money. I get it in respect and love, baby. And don't want to hear my voice again. That's payment to me as a comedian, nickel. So I feel what Cat Williams saying about Mr. Steve Harvey. I told y'all that I was going to get on his ass. Because when I came out of high school from defending myself, 
I, I didn't have any direction of where I wanted to go, so I came to Houston, Texas. You dig? I was a country boy. Didn't know nothing for us city, how the city workings go. But I came to Houston to find myself and make a place and set my stake here. I didn't know how I was do it. I, and I tried several ways. I was up here breaking the law. I was up here, uh, you know, distrib distributed. You understand me? I was doing it all. And that got me fucked up. More experience. That's when I started experiencing jail. You dig? That molded. That's another facet of life that I had to add to becoming what we call a real motherfucking entertainer. Not just a comic. I'm an entertainer. I get you several ways, baby. Not just with a punchline. I can get you with a look. Now, these are the tools of my trade, you dig? So, as coming up, getting to Houston, I found out that I was unusually funny. Not the high school funny, unusually funny. And I had something different about me than other guys or other people that you might come about. My physical appearance. Six foot three, bald headed, cock eyed, then a motherfucker, but slightly sexy. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> I'm confused, bitch. <laughs> yeah. See how I get down? That's what a real motherfucking entertainer do. So, you sucker ass niggas, let me continue my stuff. Came up, found out that I was unusually funny. Me and my friends, we had, you know, we stayed together, kick it. One of my friends, uh, Mr. Reddy C. Yes, sir. Big shout out to Mr. Reddy C. Big shout out to uh, B. Younger. You dig? These fellas, man, they were other entertainers that I was with. And we, we, we fed off each other. Real hip-hop. Now, I came in when, when hip-hop was just busting off. You understand me? Right on up from, you know, Sugar Hill Gang on up to all, all of what transpired after that. So real hip-hop, baby. Paris One, all this here. King Son. Y'all don't know nothing about these people, Mike. You understand me? The Roots, you dig? Bobby Brown, you dig? When he was, when he was a single, you know, young Slim nigga, wearing Wearing biker shorts, nigga. Y'all don't know nothing about that, man. Wop, nigga. Flat top. We started this shit, cuz. That's what I'm saying. But get back to my story. Got in the game of comedy. I was first discovered by a gentleman named Larry O'Neill. You did? And I met this gentleman through my friends. You did? And uh, one day we were all just in my, my other friend's studio and we were just kicking it, doing what we do, you know, rolling up a little something, busting some freestyle raps and 
making some beats and shit. And one of my friends invited this guy to the studio, what we call the studio. And I'm crazy, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't, I don't let, nothing don't get past me. So I recognize the fellow. And I know he was kind of like out of place because this nigga had on clean clothes. You know, we didn't, you know, I clothes, we had to re recycle them motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? But this nigga had on clean clothes for one thing. And he was clean cut. Looked like he had a few dollars. And we were broke. We were hip hoppers, you know, living a lot. So I, I, I went and asked the nigga, hey, man, who is you, cuz? You look like the police, man. Now, it, it, we in here smoking weed. Now, I ain't going to jail because you, you ain't coming here now, show motherfucker self. Who is you? So he thought that was funny, but I was already cracking jokes before I spoke to him. You know what I'm saying? So he was like, hey, man, I, my name Larry O'Neill. You dig? I got a club over here, you know, and uh, called Night Moods. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I, I do comedy there, and I need somebody to host my show. And I was like, well, hell, you know, uh, what you want with me? You know, I don't, I don't know nothing about no telling no joke. He like, man, uh, do what you were just doing. I said, well, shit, I was, I was just smoking. You, you want me to come up there and fire something up in that motherfucker? That's funny. <laughs> he laughed at that. So he like, hey, man, look, like I said, you're a natural, and this is how much it pays. So when he told me how much it paid, I was like, well, shit. Well, you know, I know a few jokes. <laughs> I'll be in there Sunday night <laughs> around 7.30. <laughs> so I went to, uh, uh, I think it was Night Moves. No, it was another name of the club. I'll remember it shortly. But that's where I first started doing comedy. Didn't know why the chicken crossed the street. You understand me? I didn't know no knock, knock, who's there type of shit. I didn't know shit. But through my childhood, luckily my dad was a Richard Pryor fan and a Flip Wilson fan and a Red Fox fan, you did, and a Mom's Mabley fan. So I got to ingest all of that. Plus, I was a child from the projects and all those characters I seen on television. They lived in my neighborhood. When I watched television, I already knew the script. That bitch gonna get cut. That bitch gonna get caught in that nigga house. Oh, that nigga stealing. Oh, I already knew the script. You did? So these are the makings. So back to the story. Met him, started doing comedy. And after that first joke that I told, it was like catching the Holy Ghost. Because at that moment, uh, I was no longer uh, that guy that walked up there. I was somebody else. And I knew things that I didn't know that I knew. I knew how to format. I knew how to speak. I knew how to slur my words. Or I knew how to be proper. I knew how to 
move my fingers. It was like I came into myself. And bam, I shot off from there. So, in shooting off, after I left that club, I heard about another place that they called the Hip Hop Communist Stop. Downtown Houston on Main Street. And somebody suggested that I go down there. And I did. Yes, sir, I did. Mm-hmm. When I got there, I met the uh, management establishment owners, Mr. Rushon McDonald, David Rayborn, um, J. Anthony uh, Blue Shoes Brown, you did, uh, and I believe uh, Mr. Steve Harvey had some sort of uh, hand in it also. Because uh, he was coming down when he was the host of Apollo, and they were taking contestants from the Apollo night at the hip hop comedy stop. But they also had a, uh, 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 it was a, a, a comedy amateur spot. Okay, you could where well, the amateurs could come in first before the Apollo show, do their thing, and they get a chance to go to Apollo. Okay, so when I got there. Uh, my first performance there, they wouldn't include me in the people that could go to Apollo because they classified me as professional. I'm like, nigga, no, I ain't don't make no goddamn, you know, I ain't making no professional money, nigga. You know, I got a 1978 uh, gremlin out there. Shit. I need to go to the Apollo or somewhere. Shit, or to the trap house. I need to make some money, man. Yeah, y'all talking about? So he started putting me on the professional night, which was Thursday, on the professional sets. And slowly but surely, slowly but surely, I did my thing. Kind of raised up in the uh, network there at that particular club. Matter of fact, I became Thursday night favorite. Dig that. And can't nobody contest what I'm saying. Nobody. Because we can get it get it in today. Leave your comment down there. And we can get it in today. But there ain't no proving nothing here. It's already proven. Came here proven. So came up the ranks there. And probably a year went by. And Mr. Steve Harvey actually showed up at the Hip Hop Comedy Stop. He was going to do a weekend there. You know, we did uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I believe. And uh, he was going to do a weekend there. But Thursday night had become my night. That's when I shine. So this particular Thursday, he came in early. On Thursday to promote his weekend show. You know, they used to put it on the radio and everything here on 102 in, in Houston, Texas. And he came in to promote the motherfucking show. So to me, being like the top comedian there, in my mind, shit, man, I'm on. I'm going to get my mama high. I'm going to get me a 300 bin like Pac had. You know what I'm talking about? 
300 bin, baby, drop top. I end up with a motherfucking Mustang, drop top. Fucking with them, that nigga, man. I ain't saying I love my Mustang, you know what I'm talking about, but goddamn, I want to, you know, yeah. Fuck yeah. Anyway, uh, that night, I thought it was going down for me. No, man, undeniable. I know if, if y'all looking for a funny motherfucker, how in the bug it ain't me. And that was my attitude. What you mean? That's how I'm supposed to feel about myself, bitch. Hell you mean? Well, what you made you think that? Bitch, what you mean? I hear what I say, I hear cut. So I went there in the spirit. Thinking I'm finna be on, man. Steve Harvey finna see me, nigga. I'm going to Apollo, nigga. And, and, and sing with Steve Wonder and all them niggas, man. Yeah. And the motherfucking, uh, uh, that nigga come out. I wish that nigga would come out with that hook. I'll break that motherfucker around his neck. Hey, the Sandman. I wish he would. So, went there, man, with all expectations that my life was gonna change in some form or fashion. And in a way it did. In a big way it did. You dig? Cause I did the show that night. And man, I'm telling you all, oh, oh, gave it to them. You hear me? I, I, I handed it to them. Oh, I handed it to them. You hear me? To where they gave me a standing ovation, man. That night. And with that standing ovation, man, my my heart just fluttered, you know. Cause I, 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 Steve Harvey was back there in the green room. That's where all the comedians, you know, come out of. We go up on stage and we go back there, you know. So boy, when I did that, it just said, you know, I'm like, whoa, it's on. Get this money, baby. Went back there. This is after a standing ovation, and I never forget it because Miss Moore was sitting in the audience. You did. She was there also. So, went back to, there to go talk to that nigga. And I went back there lying and going on. Telling the nigga, hey, how, how you doing, Mr. Harvey? You are a mentor of mine. I've been following your career for over a year. Lying like a motherfucker. I ain't know that nigga from Adam. You know, I just heard, you know, I really didn't know the nigga. I, don't watch, I wasn't watching TV at that time. Nigga, I was getting high. And making music and shit, and you know, uh, freestyling and beatboxing and shit like that, chasing fat asses. Yeah, that's what I was doing around that time. Why the pan no attention, no Steve fucking Harvey, man. This nigga here with this goddamn uh, mustache, it looked like one of them uh, Swifter Mop uh, replacement things. Yeah, man, fuck that nigga. But anyway, after the after I did the show, you did. Understand me? I go back there to the back of the goddamn green room. He's standing up there. You know I ain't lying because he had on a uh, mustard, a mustard yellow suit. Yeah. One of them. You understand me? And he had like a 19-foot nigga standing behind him. So I walked up, you know, very like I said, lying and going on. How you doing, Mr. Harvey? And I stuck my hand out to shake this Negro's hand. 
you know how you say some shit and you throw your hand out. You know how niggas do, you know, trying to be, you know, my daddy told me you shake a man's hand, look him in the eye. But motherfucker, I'm cockeyed, so I get a pass. If I miss your other eye, bitch, I ain't trying to be funny or nothing. You know what I'm saying? This, this, this shit is really happening here, nigga. So I rushed out to shake this bitch hand, and this new, he didn't only leave my hand out there, left me hanging, cut. This nigga say, man, you know, uh, in Hollywood, going over your time, even a few seconds, it cost you a million dollars. Did you got a million dollars? So yeah, bitch, I got it out there in my uh, 1970 motherfucking uh, one uh, uh, con card, nigga. Give me a minute, I go get it. Man, that nigga left my hand out there, and when he said if he asked me if I had a million dollars, the nigga turned his back. And my dumb cock out ass still sitting there with my hand like this, because I'm shocked. And I said to myself, man, I said, man, if you didn't have this 19-foot nigga behind you, I'd whoop your motherfucking ass, cuz real, man. I ain't lying. And, and to tell you the truth, on the cool, I kind of waited after the show out there after that nigga, man. Yeah. I'm going to check that nigga pockets, man, after, after, was, that was crushing to me. Never had a chance to tell this nigga this, and I'm waiting to tell him. And he, and I hate that because Rushon and him were buddies and all, and, you know, they consider you to be a bad apple when you tell us when you say shit about how, uh, being abused, man. Niggas try to abuse you, cuz. Like, you got me fucked up, nigga. I'm from 222 Percy Simon, nigga. The only motherfucker that's gonna abuse me is my mama and daddy, nigga. Yeah, I accept that abuse. I accept a stench car whooping, nigga. I accept a motherfucker uh, fly swatter whooping, nigga. I accept a water hole whooping, nigga. You nigga, man, that's what I'm saying about you pussy. Boy, look here. That nigga done that to me, man. And as a comedian, that sent me on a road to where I felt like other niggas who was like consider themselves headliners you dig, had to be dealt with. They had to know that it's somebody else greater than, always, somebody greater than me and somebody greater than them. And at that time, it was them. Gee. And at this time, it still is. As you can see. It's comedy conversation. Can you dig it? Nigga did that to me. And I've never forgotten it. Like I said, it sent me on a road to what I used to call kill the headliner. You Easter Bunny bitches call me in now, and you know, I'm mean, yeah. Chef, we want you to feature. Chef, we want you to open. Well, give me that time, bitch. I ain't gonna say nothing. You give me that microphone if you want to. Yeah on your motherfucking ass. I ain't lying. 
that Mustang fab, baby. 5.0, 1994, bitch, Cobra. 2D, bitch. Open up on your ass with a few seconds. I'm gone on your ass. Not because I'm disrespectful, but because I am who I am. Shit. And had no business calling me in that capacity. When you know what capacity that I work in. And that's what you niggas done in times in my career early when I didn't know a motherfucker thought. But I's here now. And I've waited for a long time to open my mouth up. But being inspired by my boy Cat Williams done something to me. Because I've had niggas that was close to me say, man, you need to change your style. That's why niggas don't want to fuck with you. Nigga, I don't want to be fucked with by niggas. Being in the state condition of niggas fucking with niggas nowadays. No. I want to be alone if the, if, if all this here and all that there got to transpire. I want to be alone. Please don't touch me. No, I don't do that. No. See, I've had niggas try to tell me, man, you know, that's why I leave. I want to fuck with you. And why, you know, girls don't want to fuck. Man, who want to be fucked with by them? See? Now, if y'all kept up with the narrative of my story, I come up in this motherfucker alone. And I came to do something. And I ain't got to be associated with Nathan to do that. Thank you, Mr. Steve Harvey, for showing me the worst of motherfuckers who, who actually could help another brother. All that soul, black folk shit he talk. Now when y'all see that nigga crying, he ain't crying of happiness. This nigga crying of guilt. All he remembering what that old white man. I know how far I can go, bitches. But I ain't scared. To me, bitches, you ain't gonna get nothing but a couple of blunts. And that Mustang got there. You can sue me, bitch. I don't think you will, because you don't want this told about you. It was witnesses there. I'm not gonna put them in it, but it was witnesses there. That nigga that's now the deceased, that that nineteen foot nigga that's passed away now, we can't ask him, but I know who you can ask. But you ain't gotta ask nobody, cause I'm not easy to forget. The other six three cockeyed nigga, bald head, he gone. Debo, he ain't here now, here now no more. I'm, you know, that's me now. That's me. So what Cat Williams is absolutely correct because that's not a dysfunction with only the ones he named. 
here in my city of Houston, we have dysfunctional niggas out there that have all, now, I'm, uh, there have been certain comedians that have spoken my name, but not where it came with a check. You dig what I'm saying to you? It's cats out there that know what Dr. Chef's capabilities are, but they'll never speak it. But in the same sense, they'll try to put a nail in my coffin that I'm not even laying in, bitch. I ain't in that. I'm bald and standing tall, bitch. What the fuck are you talking about? And I'm I'm ready. I'm absolute. I've been activated. What Cat Williams done turned on that activation because it validated what I've been feeling my whole career. And I've been in this business thirty years, y'all. Thirty, thirty motherfucking thirty. Now let me count it off for you. 89, I was going hard. 90, I was going hard. Get my mic here so y'all can hear me. 92, I was going hard. 93, I was going hard. 94, I was going hard. 95, I was going hard. 96, going hard. 97, going hard. 98, going hard. Now y'all go on and count it on for now. Up until you get to 2020. Paulus, nigga. Four quarters. Going hard. Now why? I don't, I, I don't mean no harm, but I'm going to call you niggas name. Kier Spates. Why you don't say my name, cuz? You been to my grandma house, cuz. You ain't my mama's special cornbread. Oh, oh, you start working, Steve. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I don't want no truck. We already got a history, me and him. So you gone, you gone over there, car. I'm going to keep living. Get my hate up with my weight. Feel I'm back when I'm big. That's what's happening. Activated. Totally. So... If I'm all that, you ain't going hard them many years. Terry Gross, why you don't, why you don't say my name, cuz? So I've been going hard all them years. Miss Ali, my brother. Come on now. So Cat Williams is totally, absolutely, 100%. OG motherfucking. Mm. Every, every word he spoke. The truest word I ever spoke. For real. It's out here for us comedians like that. Y'all take us as funny people and, you know, you think we all in a room and 
you know, volleyballs and bubbles and shit. It's flying. No, man. It's not like that. Having good relationships in this business is far and beyond. Here in my own city, far as, like he said, there are cliques. There are. You niggas know who they are because they're the only ones you see. But Dr. Shep is right here. Established, proven, professional. History, facts, one of the hardest motherfuckers that grace this region. And I say this region because I ain't got to y'all yet, but I'm on my way. Keep the light on. Because what Mr. Steve Hardy had done to me, he set me on this road. And I plan to see it where it ended. Cloudy or motherfucking rainbow. I'm on my way. And we can talk about this man to man. And I smoke. I don't want to get it on your suit. You know. So stand back a few feet. Because I does what I want. You understand? But as somebody who's supposed to be a mentor of what? So Cat Williams is absolutely right. And my circumstances sent me on this road. I'm not here by fault. A hand actually put it, was put on my shoulder and I was shoved in this direction. And I was given equipment to be the best at what I do. One of the best. I'll never say the best. Because I got comedians that I love to see that I give praise to, that I call their names, that come with a check. That's always been me. Because of the way that Mr. Steve Harvey done me, I became an advocate for motherfuckers who were funny or not. Because the effort is the building blocks of a comedian. Getting out there and seeing what you got is the building blocks of a comedian. And the laughter is truly your payment. As a as a as a great comedian and a great man and a great mentor, Mr. Thomas Ware used to be at the uh cocktails and rumors. And a club over there for Alameda, Times Square, and performed all over this country. He said, Chef, I can't pay you what you're worth, man. But the 150 is yours. And that 150 was the was the biggest million dollar check to me that I could get because somebody was paying me just for the, the frequency that comes out my throat. I didn't have to stock stack no boxes. I ain't have to go and listen to the, this uh, guy over my shoulder telling me I got I'm, I'm late. I ain't have to do none of that. I was getting paid off of God-given sense, not a talent. 
the fact that I could make noise out of this hole in my face that came with me. But then he stopped me and said, hold up, man, I forgot something. And took an eye and said, now you perfect. Get out there. But as a real comedian, what y'all don't see, you might see where I am, but you didn't see the road that I took to get to this motherfucker. And I'd be damned if I get there and do the work and then have a robbing, a stealing, low-down scoundrel steal my shit and claim it for their own and not give me the credit of my genius. How dare you motherfuckers know Dr. Shep's name and know that he's here and not declare. There goes my nigga. Yeah. For real. So I understand completely what Mr. Cat Williams is talking about. I suffer, I've suffered these things in my games, but I suffer no more. Because from the very beginning, the man told you, put your trust in no who? Man, baby. And if you decide to let that trust be put in you. So to the Steve Harbys of the world and to all those who are in his likeness, this is your roll call. Chow time, bitches. The real niggas finna eat. And we ain't finna eat the way that y'all ate. We gonna eat what we speak, baby. And it's gonna feed us back. Real niggas don't throw it in real niggas' faces what we have and y'all don't. And that seems like that's been the practice for the last 20 years with you niggas. That's why I left the game. There's never been no competition for what lane I'm in because that lane is completely mine. There's never been nobody that have something for Dr. Shell because I'm in my own created, lived, struggled, pain. growth and every time I reach one of those stages I put that piece with the others so now I stand before you complete and still evolving to something great so to all you Steve Harvest niggas To all you niggas that refuse to lay sideways and stop taking that P. Diddy. For all you cats out there faking to be one of me when the real deal is right here. You know who you are. You niggas faking like you're the number one comic in one city. When you know completely that that is not the truth. We both know that's not the truth. 
These young niggas coming up talking about OG in comedy. No, nigga. I am a G in comedy. Gangster. Always have been, always will be because it's kept me safe from you P. Diddy niggas. You Puff Hattie niggas. You shun cotton candy combs niggas. Honeycomb hustlers. I'm going to start suing you bitches and calling the laws on you identity theft assholes. You niggas is identity thefts. It's niggas out there telling my story, looking like me, but they mention my name. These niggas that I'm talking about claiming that they the king. You can have that. I don't really, you know, I don't really like sitting on no throne. I like getting around. So you can have that. But you know, you definitely know. And if you don't leave a comment down there, and I bet you know by tomorrow. In the words of Sling Blade, I've been studying on killing you. Mm. I've been studying on it quite a bit. <laughs> That's what a real comedian do. All of this is what you see. The dramatic, the inspirational, the fall down, the get up. This is what a real entertainer is built of. For your friends to, to sometimes for your family to, to. Sometimes for your, your mate to not understand just what it is to be who us comedians, the true ones and when I say comedian, entertainers because entertainers come with many facets storytellers actors what we call uh, uh, thespians you understand? And there ain't no ram rainbow behind that word. That's what we are. We are the sufferer sufferers of real things. So we, when we, we are encountered with fake-ass niggas, it, it hurts our heart. It really do. And when it hurts our heart, that pain comes out just like this. What you see and hear before you now. And you wanna, well, Dr. Shep, man, why you, why you fucking, why you, why you, you know, if you want them niggas to like you, why you talking to them? Cause nigga, I don't need what them niggas need. I've been in this game 30 years. Done television twice. Wrote a movie. Been in one movie. 
travel the world from the projects, foot up on the wall, holding the old English, dreaming. Without the support that you niggas probably have today of Facebook, Instagram, MySpace, or whatever the fuck is out there now. All these, you know, shortcuts. Bitch, please, sit your young ass down somewhere. Get your heart broke, bitch. That'll make you funny, I swear to God. Walk in on your old lady getting that rod handed to her. I swear it's going to make you funny. Go to that penitentiary. Oh, you talking about this? Boy, you talking about some material. You're going to be a funny no. But bitches, if y'all ain't willing to do all these things and feel all these things, man, you really need to step out the way. Because you niggas that's supposed to be in the audience, Mr. Steve Harvey, Mr. Steve Harvey y'all did strange things to get where y'all are. Because I don't see that body of work in you to be on every motherfucking channel. I can see Cat Williams being on, on several channels. I can see Eddie Murphy being on several channels because you have. Hell, I can see D-Ray. I can see Corey motherfucking, Corey my nigga motherfucking hope. Boy, that's my new. Corey, if you're out there, man, you get a hot holler at me, nook. For real. Cause uh these niggas, man, they got me feeling like that nigga in that restaurant. Say one more thing and you're through. I'm a real nigga, boy. I'm a real nigga, boy. I don't need none of it. Don't need none of it. Now say one more thing. I'm going to give you one more chance. Yeah, I feel like that nigga, man. Because it's time out. Y'all suckers and had y'all chance, baby. Niggas like me sat down, watched, waited. You done had your chance, baby. And obviously, the people are tired of you new. See? They thought they wanted what style that y'all were bringing. They thought, they thought they wanted to hear grown-ass men and women talking about eating ass. They thought they wanted niggas to act like bitches on stage. They thought they wanted that. So you were given that. And this is the direct result of what y'all decided to accept. It's not all on them. Y'all accepted this behavior and this quality of entertainment that you bitches pay 30 and 40 dollars. Man, look, Dr. Shepard's going to be doing shows. If y'all going to pay 40 some dollars, one man motherfucker stand is coming across the country. You hear me? Just, just DM me right now. And you can get this same hot comedy conversation in your town. Hit me up on one point, motherfucking zero. Leave your comment if you want this show. And it don't have to be no, no big marina. I'll come do it at your grandma's house if you're paying that much a ticket. Promise you I'll be there. 
So to all you Steve Harvey likeness niggas in y'all business, to the ones who took the advice that money is worth whatever strange things that you have to do to your soul because the talent is not there. And if you just slow down a minute, take your hit of your some good marijuana and look at the actresses and look at the musicians and look at the football players and look at the basketball players, man, even look at the pastors. Then you'll see that it's a lot of P. Diddy shit grinds on. So I ask the others who have been activated in this truth, Mr. Corey Holcomb, keep going. Can you dig it? Mr. Cat Williams, keep going. Don't stop. You dig? Now, Mr. That clone, that clone, he spoke, spoke on some, you know, some whatever. Mr. Mr. Chappelle talking about the wild nigga want to say something else about some other man's paper. Man, fuck you. You got more paper than any goddamn body. Your ass shouldn't even be outside no more. And because you did that, all your years of work, all the respect I had for you, you, I just, uh, you know, yeah, I took that shit to the pawn shop, bitch. They ain't give me nothing, 12 dollars. I was mad than a motherfucker. Every episode of your shit, nigga. I took it to the motherfucking par shop, bitch. Sick of you niggas, man. Cause it's real niggas out here. They got real funny shit like I just laid down on your bitch. Still mad, ho. Cause they wouldn't accept one of them bitches cause I scratched the motherfucker. Fuck your shit. You hear me? I shouldn't have never uh, purchased it, bitch. Talk on your, open your mouth when a real nigga speak, man. You understand me? That nigga, that nigga, that nigga in the Mac, that nigga pulled a sword on that nigga, man. Shut your motherfucking mouth when grown folks is talking. And that go for all you niggas. Cause a grown ass man in this game is talking right now. I have no reason. This ain't no cloud. I don't want no, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, tell, telling behind what Cat Williams. Now, this is my own story, and it just so happened to be just what the fuck that man was talking about. I, I, I'm a Houston comic. You did? I suffer this in Houston. Those of y'all that seen me tonight, you know that I'm real. You know that I'm funny. And that's not even my show. This is a comedy conversation. You dig? My show is immaculate. So to my Houston citizens, why you, why the niggas that y'all know in this game? Why you don't hear about Chef? I'll tell you why. 
because Chef hadn't spoken until now. And I'm not going to stop talking for the next motherfucking... What time is it? You dig? Because the cat is out the bag. And Mr. Cat Williams, I'm at your service anytime you need another real nigga in this army. I'm strapped up, ready to go, sir. Because I, too, is sick of the bullshit. I've been waiting to bring real comedy back to my community. And I have done, I've started to do so. So I'm letting those who are out there in power, hey man, it's better to be the person that finds the next one than the person that goes against him. Let that marinate. Consider the open challenge. Consider that. I'm not nowhere, man. I can do this shit blindfolded, one foot with the flu. And I'll still be a hundred times better than you. Can you dig that? Because I work for this son and it's mine. So I don't have to feel any fear about whatever you got to do. You're not in my lane, people. And you people, if y'all want to see something different, you want to see adult comedy that doesn't consist of, you know, ingesting all the disrespect that these young motherfuckers come with and some of you old motherfuckers. If y'all tired of that, leave a comment down there in, in, in the box. Because I'm ready completely to go live. I've ignored a lot. I've stood by and I've watched comedy go from one place to where it is now. And I'm telling you that this ain't comedy didn't just get gangster. It's been gangster. It's been gangster. I remember one time I had a show here in Houston over off of Alameda. This nigga that looked like a, a fake-ass Damon Dash had hired me to do a show there. And I did the show. And the crowd was kind of like, you know, they didn't really like what I was saying because I said a few bitches and a few hoes. And and far as I know, a few bitches and hoes exist. So I don't know where I was wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. I'm pretty sure my listening artists know a few bitches and hoes. Yes, you do, or y'all might be, but I'm just saying. So I do the show, and the nigga decide that he didn't want to unask my money. And that was a problem with me. See? I don't I don't allow uh that type of business to be done with myself. So I got I did what I did. I got angry and I started throwing shit around in the club. Cause I said, if you don't give me my money, this this motherfucking uh, uh, this motherfucker this motherfucker speaker and this goddamn flashing light and 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 and, and that bottle of Hennessy and this goddamn amplifier coming with me, nigga. Ain't now one of you motherfuckers gonna get in my way, cause I'm ready.
So I scared the niggas, right? And one of the comedians, I forgot this nigga name, but I'm gonna tell you what I, the nigga acted like when we was outside, nigga act like he was reaching for a gun, you know. Kept, you know, faking like he gonna pull a gun on me, man. I say, look here, man, you just made my list, nigga. If you do got a gun, hey, I ain't bulletproof, nigga. So we gonna, we gonna, I'm gonna take a rain check on that business. So, but he didn't know that I'm, a, I'm, you know, mentally, as a comedian, I'm mentally, I'm mentally unhealthy. That's how I come up with all this crazy shit. Cause I'm crazy, bitch. This is what y'all don't understand. We comedians, but we are insane, bitches. How, how do you think we come up with, we come up with? Cause we are insane, bitches. That's the background of what we do. That's the exchange. Insanity, bitch. So, the first thing I thought about doing to that nigga when he done that, I say, first of all, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go get my shit. I'm going to come back. I'm going to bust out to these women. I'm going to throw this $1.75 of regular unleaded in that motherfucker. And we're going we gonna to be even there. So I went back and I done that. But it didn't work out like I thought it would. I busted out the motherfucking wonders, but I'm cock at it. So when I went to throw the goddamn Molotov goddamn cocktail, I didn't put it in a glass. I put it in a water bottle, and that bitch done bounced off the goddamn building and got on my motherfucking car and set it on fire. I'm driving out of Alameda with my shit fully in flames. But I say, them niggas ain't gonna fuck with me if they see that I burn my own shit up, nigga. Don't give a fuck about yours. Shit. Fire for everybody, nigga. This shit been gangster. And that's what y'all people don't know, man. We fuck with all kind of strange motherfuckers in this business. And because I've done what I've done, yeah, I've gained a motherfucking reputation of being the Tupac of comedy nigga, and I accept that. Because you niggas is not going to do me. And I'm not going to do strange things with you niggas to get anywhere. Bitch, I'll catch an Uber, bitch. No, you got no, I, no, I will not ride with you. Catching an Uber, bitch. Because it'll be a killing in this hoe. Boy, I'm going to tell you. Boy, my boy, <laughs> I told y'all crazy. Yes, I am. And that happened, man. And this is the thing that we have to do. So them niggas end up losing more money than I did. It didn't cost me nothing but a dollar seven five a gas and, and, and six more to get back over there. Yeah. So I would say that shit worked out for me. Yes, sir. And that's what we, these are the things that we have to do at, at being what we do. We don't really get what we should get. I myself have provided people with more good feelings that they probably 
hadn't got in their own family environment. Laughter. I mean, real laughter. To the point where sometimes I get paid with them by laughing with them. But most times I don't because my job is, as Dr. Shep, is to make you feel better when you leave here than when you came. Not to make you feel disrespected when you leave. Not for your pockets to be empty when you leave. Not for you to forget me when you walk out that door. Because what Dr. Shep give you, you can take that dose for the next lifetime and on past that. And it'll always be good for you. So I want to thank y'all tonight. I have had a wonderful time in this first comedy conversation that we've had. And I feel a little lighter now because I got some shit up off my chest, nigga. For real. We out here, y'all. And thank everybody that chimed in here at one point motherfucking zero here at, uh, at the Honey Bee Lounge. You know, uh, I think we're going to continue this night. Let's say we'll do it every third Friday of the month. Every third Friday of the month, we'll be here at the Comedy Lounge, and I'll be going live with the Comedy Conversation, y'all. And I do plan to get us a guest on this one, because I really like this setup here, and I hope y'all like it, too. This is uh, the Honey Bee Lounge, the outside studio, and I am enjoying it. I love being out in nature. That's another thing that makes real people real people. Stay in touch with the planet, y'all, because at this point, that's the only thing that's going to help us survive whatever they got going on. Okay, so to y'all haters, man, I hope y'all wake up. And to the ones that are woke, baby, stay woke. It's your boy, Dr. Shep, from One Point Motherfucking Zero, going live here on a Friday night here at the Honey Bee Studios, man. And I am feeling wonderful about what just happened, y'all. I can't wait to watch it myself. Because I wasn't only talking to y'all, I was talking to me. So coming back across the track once again, my friend. I've walked on water. I've walked on land. I got kings and queens that want to shake my hand. Who am I? The doctor. Big shout out to my mother company, Black Earth Inc. And to my producer, Q. And my co-producer, Amanda. Coming from the Honey Bee Lounge, it's your boy, Dr. Ship, and we're out. Can't get a game for me. Shit, I got some change on me. Look into my eyes, moving around. I might just pay the fee. She's cash me. She got a wig.